I, I got a quick question before I start message this morning, and as Alfonso, I understand your plight when it comes to like being woken up in the middle of the night or not being able to go to sleep in the late at night. Um, just seems like a, I don't know. Been, it's been happening to me a lot lately too, where where two or three in the morning something just pops me up, and it's like, oh, here I am. Any, anybody else? Yeah, I don't want to ask. It's usually the older folks. I guess I am they. So it's a. But uh, um, I don't know. I just was laying there the other night, middle of the night or morning, whatever it was, and something hit me that was interesting. And I'm going to ask a question, and because it, it dawned on me in this this conversation with the Lord, it's when I spent a lot of time really praying. Um, and if I could share something, this might make you laugh. I don't know, it makes me laugh, but um, <laughs> I sometimes preach a whole message right there in my bed. With my, I, I mean, I'll really get into it. Like, I'm really preaching. And, I wait, and in, in the moment, I'm like, Lord, help me remember this in the morning. This is good stuff. <laughs> this is really good stuff. And I wake up and like, what the heck? Where did it go? is gone like oh that was a good one uh, so if the if you see me in these moments like trying to pull stuff out of the cobwebs or whatever it's that's where I'm going is to those moments that I've spent with the Lord and asking him to remind me but in this moment it was an interesting one it was uh, just a simple thing and it was um, <laughs> I just told Jesus, I love you. I said, Jesus, I love you. And it hit me like, wow. I don't remember the last time I just said that. And then I was convicted of like, oh my gosh. Just, Jesus, I love you. And yeah, I could talk about Jesus. I could preach about Jesus. I could, we could sing to Jesus. And, but just to like really get into the heart of like, where it's more than words, it's words don't really measure up to the depth of how they go into the depth of your heart. Just and I like, have you told just Jesus that you loved him lately? I mean, I would say, have you told your wife lately? And you should, your kids, yes. But have you told Jesus that you've loved him lately? Let let the Holy Spirit mess with you on that one, like he did me, probably at two in the morning, maybe three. Maybe you'll wait till five and you'll be all right. But I'm going to ask a question. Today's message is, is we've been talking about the Holy Spirit. And I love talking about God. I love just dwelling on the goodness of God and all that who God is and we talk about the Holy Spirit, and, a, and a, a question that I want to ask you, though, is why, is why do you think the Holy Spirit is so mysterious, um, misunderstood, even misconstrued, uh, talked about in ways that we don't really understand? Why is the Holy Spirit so mysterious? That was one of those three in the clock morning conversations I had, so... And here's what I've come up with. There's a couple of reasons. Is one is one we have issue with the Holy Spirit because he just he just gets into our business, right? 
In, in fact, the Bible even talks about that. The Spirit will come and people will reject Him because He comes and He convicts. He convicts the world of sin and righteousness and judgment. And all those things are real and they're true. And that's exactly, it's very true. Is the Holy Spirit gets into the grittiness of who we are. He gets in there. He gets into the dark places and He starts mulling them around and He gets into sometimes our thoughts and says, I don't know about that. And, he, and he, He'll challenge us with our own thoughts. Our, the motives of our heart. Only the Holy Spirit can go there. Right? Even, even as you're, you know, we think we understand and know our children pretty well, but it's only the Holy Spirit that could go into the depths of any one of our hearts and stir it up and know what's there. Yes, that's true. But there's also this other reason I believe that the, the Holy Spirit is a little bit mysterious and misunderstood and, and uh, misconstrued, is, and it's a simple one, is we have no likeness. We have nothing to compare Him to. We understand that He is the, the, uh, the Trinity, the, the third of the Godhead, right? Um, and the other two, what do we have when I talk about the Godhead, the Trinity? We have God the Father, right? That's simple, to, at least for our brains to like, like somewhere process that because we have a likeness, a father. And, and, and granted, we could all say, well, yeah, well, I don't have a father figure. Like, well, of course not. Nobody does a father figure like God. So don't go there, but just understand that that's a likeness, right? We have a father figure in God, God the Father. And then God the Son. Now we have a likeness there. Jesus became like us. That's, that's pretty like right? If you're going to use the word like, it's like that fits perfectly. Jesus became like us. So we, we are a likeness to Jesus. Jesus, he put on flesh like you and I. But then we have God, the Holy Spirit, and what do you have? A wind that Jesus said you can't even tell, you can't tell where it comes from and where it's going. All you can tell is the evidence that it's there. And, and, and that's, that's what we have. So, so in the mystery of the Holy Spirit, there's like, we, we need to understand that, that there's only in the Holy Spirit, only by the Holy Spirit can we even start to grasp, understand, and, and even receive and listen to the Holy Spirit. Because we have no likeness. And, and then, yeah, we have some weird things that are out in the world, you know, forces of evil and good, you know, from Star Wars and stuff and, and different, and we have movies that will try to paint a likeness of what a spirit is and it's, it's, there's nothing that we really can compare it to and that's part of our issue. So when the Bible refers to nearly everything that takes place is being led directed powered by inspired by the holy spirit there's something inside of us that says we just kind of like okay we 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 are okay with it but yet we don't really fully understand it right are you guys with me on this at all anybody come on you guys you guys are awake right you guys are good to go i'm not i don't need to turn around hey there's nobody back there but wait everybody's up here come with me right all right good John chapter 7, this is good. This is a text they sent. Mm. By the way, if you don't get a text, um, please forgive me, but if you're not getting one every Saturday, 
uh, text me your number with your name attached to it so that I have it in my phone and I will include you. That's if you'd like to, if you'd like to get a text. And, and here I'm going to offer this out to anybody out there. If you'd like to not get a text, just let me know privately and say, hey, don't send me at that anymore and I won't embarrass you. I promise I just won't send it to you anymore. I'll respect your wishes. I, I, I promise. Um, <clears throat> it's up to you. Yeah, but then, then we'll, we'll pray for you. <laughs> exactly. Uh, John chapter 7, starting in verse 37 and 39. says, On the last day, the climax of the, the, climax of the festival... This festival was the, what is known as the Feast of Booths, um, which is, it's a commemorative festival that the Jews celebrated. They celebrated in looking back to the 40 years in the desert that they wandered in temporary housing. Basically, they had no home and they wandered. So they celebrated this by having a week-long celebration, a party in Jerusalem and said, hey, it's called the Feast of Booths. It's fantastic. And so on the last day, which was the greatest day, Jesus stood and he shouted to the crowds. He shouted to the crowds. He was, got their attention. I like that. Jesus was a humble servant, but man, he could raise his voice. Do you think that when Jesus shouted, people heard? Hallelujah, they did. Yeah, I think he had the ability to raise his voice to a level that nobody could mistake that it was Jesus speaking. I think that's pretty awesome. I don't know why, just like, that's like, oh, when Jesus shouted. Woo! Yeah, I know, I want to hear some shouting. And he says, and he says this, and he comes right out of me. He says, anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Let's just pause there for a second. Um, of course, this is a picture of, of there's, a, there's a flow of water that's flowing down from the temple, and, and it's really exciting. I'm going to go back to, because he says, anyone who is thirsty, may, anyone who believes in me may come and drink, for the scriptures declare. So I'm going to talk, I want to go back to where a scripture is declaring this living water. But first, let's, let me, how do you know you're thirsty or not? I just, I'm, I'm, let's get really real. I want to get really real about just, okay, if you want to take it physiologically, in other words, how do you know you're physically thirsty? How do you know you're physically thirsty? Are you guys, that's, that's the best answer you can come up with? Okay. Okay. Your body tells you, but can I, can I give you... <laughs> Lack of urination, that's a good one, yeah. Can I, can I give you... Do you realize that by the time that you feel thirsty, it's too late? Did you know that? By the time you feel thirsty and all those little things that you just said, everybody said and we all agree that it's all true, by the time you are experiencing those symptoms of being thirsty, it's too late. You're already thirsty. You're already dehydrated. Now, yeah, there's levels of dehydration. 
Some are extremely dangerous. Track with me on this. Stay with me on that very thought. Because, because, if we go off of the stuff that, the symptoms of being thirsty spiritually, in other words, if I only go to God when I feel like I need to, when stuff's falling apart, when things are crumbling down, when my body's aching, when things are going bad, isn't it a little too late? Now, correct me, I'll correct me, it's never too late to go to God. Duh. Thank you. I'm surprised you didn't jump on me like before I could even jump on myself. Amen? You guys with me? Come on. So, here's what Jesus is coming at us with, and he says, if anyone is thirsty, in other words, if you're at that point where you recognize you need something more than what this world is offering, more than what you can come up with on your own, more than anything that you could do without me, hello, that's everything, then just come to me. Come to me. I think this is pretty awesome that Jesus is like hitting everybody. There's nobody that he's speaking to that is not thirsty. Wow. Did you hear that? God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever believes in me, whosoever is thirsty, whosoever is in need, come to me. That, that, that seems to be the dominant message that Jesus is giving to all of us. It's to anyone who needs me, I am here, I'm available. Amen? I mean, I mean really, amen. <laughs> amen. I love that. And he says, see, I'm thirsty. I knew I'd need, I don't know why I get really thirsty up here. And I try to, I try to prepare, like, I drink at least two of these beforehand. Anyway. And he says this, anyone who believes in me, anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scriptures declare. Now, I, this is one of these places real quick. Because he says it. I, there's, a, there's a few places I'm going to hit on today. That, that the Bible refers to and speaks to. Kind of a, a little bit different. And maybe it, it seems almost backwards than maybe what we think it ought to say. Because wouldn't it seem like it would make sense. Is Because is he says anyone who believes in me may come and drink. Shouldn't. It say, if you come and drink, it will cause you to believe in me. Come and drink of me, and you will believe in me. Does that make a little bit of logical sense to, about what I think about God, religion, church, Bible, stuff like that? Does it make more sense to reverse that? Can I ask, I'm asking you a question. You still with me? Okay. It doesn't seem like it's taken, so... We'll hopefully get there. Um, but he's saying it 100% correctly, right? We'll agree with what Jesus is saying is correct. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. So there's this, this, this step that we must take is I must believe in him. I must surrender to him. I must receive him completely. I must say yes to Jesus and then I can come and drink. 
So, so what he's really even saying in there is that he, unless you do not believe in me, what's the point of coming and getting this water that will really do you no good? When he said living water, he was speaking of the Spirit who would be given to everyone believing in him. But the Spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet entered into his glory. Amen for us, right? Hallelujah. That we know that Jesus has entered into his glory now. And we know that before Jesus went into his glory... He said something for us to hear. He said, it's better for you that I go because now the Holy Spirit will be given to you. And that's awesome. So we know this. Now, the disciples at the time, they were struggling with this, but we know this. So we are here and we are now. This rivers of living water, I... I, the place that I want, there's, a, there's a Revelation 22, verses 1 and 2 referred to it, but in Ezekiel chapter 47, let's go there for a second, because this is a part of Ezekiel's vision. It's pretty clear and it's pretty awesome. Um, and then I want to dig into this living water flowing through us, what this entails, you know, how do, how do we apply that? How, what does that look like in my life? But let's go to this vision um, in Ezekiel 47, Ezekiel says, verse 1 says, In my vision, the man brought me back to the entrance of the temple. And there I saw a stream flowing east from beneath the door of the temple and passing to the right of the altar on its south side. And the man brought me outside the wall through the north gateway and led me around to the eastern entrance. And there I could see the water flowing out through the side of the east gateway. Measuring as he went, he took me along the stream for uh, 1,750 feet or 1,000 cubits, and then he led me across. The water was up to my ankles, and he measured off another 1,750 feet, and he led me across again. And this time the water was up to my knees, and after another 1,750 feet, it was up to my waist. And then he measured another 1,750 feet, and the river was too deep to walk across. It was deep enough to swim in, but too deep to walk through. Are you guys getting this picture that, that God is giving Ezekiel a picture of? This is water flowing out of the temple. And now it's a river, a river that he can't even walk in. At first it was like, oh, this is cute. You know, I'm playing it. I'm like, oh man, it's getting up to my knees, not my waist. And now I can't even walk in it. Oh my gosh. So, uh, oh, come on. Mm-hmm. So he asked me, have you been watching, son of man? And then he led me back along the riverbank. So now it turns into a river that has banks on it. This is why, and when I returned, I was surprised. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, there's a, now there's a riverbank coming out of the temple? Do you, do you see? He's like, this is, this is mind-boggling. I was surprised by the sight of many trees growing on both sides of the river. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Remember, this is a, this is a, this, this is a, a, a river that happened, you know, in, in, the, in the vision, in a moment. In a moment. And then there's, now there's trees growing up alongside of it. And then he said to me, this river flows east. Listen to this. This is crucial. This is key. This river flows east through the desert into the valley of the Dead Sea. 
where nothing grows. <laughs> the waters of this stream will make the salty waters of the Dead Sea fresh and pure. Did you hear that? There will be swarms, swarms of living things wherever the water of this river flows. Fish will abound in the Dead Sea, for its waters will become fresh. Life will flourish wherever this water flows. Fishermen will stand along the shores of the Dead Sea, all the way from the Engadi to the Enegleum. I probably butchered that, but that's okay. The shores will be covered with nets drying in the sun because they basically have to take a break. Do you hear what's happening? This is awesome, guys. This is fantastic. And then he says, just as they fill the Mediterranean, this Dead Sea will be full of fish. The next verse, listen to this. But the marshes and the swamps will not be purified. What makes up a marsh and a swamp? How does a marsh and a swamp come to be in existence? Stagnant water. Huh. Water flowing in, but not going out. Hmm. You hear what he's saying here, church, brothers and sisters? Jesus said it, true. Come to me, believe in me, trust in me. Rivers of living water will flow out of your heart. If you come to me for the sole purpose of just getting, 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 what can God do for me? What can I get from God? What is, instead of what can, how can God use me? What can God do with me? Where can I give? Where can I be a, a part of the body of Christ that says yes to service, to His will, to that which is good, to, to the miraculous stuff of fish living in a dead sea so much that they can't catch them quick enough. Trees growing up where nothing has ever grown or hasn't grown for so long. Do you hear what he's saying? This is what we are about. This is what Jesus is wanting to do by infusing, by imparting the Holy Spirit onto us, into us, to go through us. Amen? Amen. This is really good stuff. We cannot become a marsh or a swamp. A marsh and a swamp is where just water flows in, can trickle in, and it usually kind of dies down to a trickle, but never leaves and becomes stagnant. And it's where diseases grow. It's where heartache grows. It's where we just settle on the what it is what it is stuff. And it's a marsh, and it's deadness, and nothing will be purified out of that. Man, I'm just seeing it so clear that the purification that, and the, even the sanctification, the, that which God is doing and using us requires us to really just say, here I am. <laughs> Do what you see fit, Lord. Amen? Amen. And then he goes on, and I'm going to read just a couple more verses. Uh, says, and there's fruit trees of all, kind, all kinds will grow along both sides of the river. 
and the leaves of these trees, not just the fruit. The fruit is good for eating, but even the leaves of these trees will never turn brown and fall, and there will always be fruit on their branches. There will be a new crop every month, for they are watered by the river flowing from the temple. The fruit will be food, and the leaves, it, the fruit will be for food, and the leaves for healing. Amen? Oh, that's so good stuff. If you want to, if you, I'd like to, uh, we'll take you, I don't know if you ever read this so, like, straightforward. Gosh, where did it go? Hey, huh. Okay, <laughs> sorry. Revelation 22. Revelation 22, verse 1 and 2, it says, The angel, then the angel showed me a river, a showed me a river with the water of life, clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and, and of the Lamb, and it flowed down the center of the main street, and on each side of the river grew a tree of life, bearing twelve crops of fruit, with fresh with a fresh crop each month. The leaves were used for medicine to heal the nations. Whew. This is us, brothers and sisters. This is us. We are the, if you want to say it, if you, uh, we are that which is the river that water of life is to flow through and to for the healing of the nations, for, for, for fruit, for the others to eat of the goodness of God. That's us. That's you and I, right? I know we talk about this and I preach about it, but man, we've got to really start getting it so much so that I'm looking for opportunities to be used of God, to be fruit of God, to be even the leaves. If, I, mean, when I, I don't know why I hear that. Even the leaves are there for medicine, for healing of the nations. So I want to just spend another about 15, 20 minutes on, on a couple of things that I feel that kind of tie, tie this up. And it's about... This issue that Jesus said, he said, believe in me, believe in me, trust in me. It, it, we would call it have faith in me. Um, you know, that's something that we could also refer to it as. So as we trust God, as we put our faith in Christ, uh, what this entails and what this is going to look like is a walk with God that's going to be used by God and where we are a, a vessel of living water to flow through our, from our hearts out to the nations, out to our neighbors, out to our family, out to our co-workers, for them to be blessed and for them to drink of this water, right? The water that God gives you, this living water, isn't just for your nourishment. It is that, but where the true and the purest nourishment comes from is when we are able to give it to others. Hello? Amen. So uh, let's, let's go into a couple of passages of Scripture, and, and, and I'm, I am going to zip through this, but I think it's really good stuff that I felt like the Holy Spirit gave me this morning. So bring it, bring it, come with me for a minute in this little jaunt through Scripture. In Hebrews eleven six, he says, without faith, it is impossible to please God or to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. You see, it is, it, it, it requires faith faith to be pleasing to God and to actually get into God's eyesight, if you will. Now, track with me on this because we understand, and I want you to know this, that faith is, not only, is a gift of the Holy Spirit 
but also a fruit of the Holy Spirit. So faith is given to us by God. It's not something that we muster up. It's not something that we, we dedicate ourselves to find. It's something that we just simply surrender to. Understand that and know that. Faith is that which is surrendering to God and giving up all of the stuff that we think that can block us or we think that is what I got to do or what I don't got to do to get right with God. And he says, no, just trust me. Trust in me, right? In John chapter 5, verse 44, Jesus says this to some uh, of the uh, religious leaders of the day. This was right after Jesus had healed a crippled man on the Sabbath, and they took issue with him doing work on the Sabbath, healing a man. How dare him? So, so he kind of he, he hits him right between the eyes, and he says this in John 5, 44. He says, no wonder you can't believe. No wonder you can't believe. This is a New Living Translation, and I just like how he words it. I don't know. I really like how the New Living Translation has been reading lately. It's, uh, it's just speaking really just good life to me. It says, no wonder you can't believe, for you gladly honor each other, but you don't care about the honor that comes from the one from who alone is God. Did you hear that? Jesus hits him right between the eyes and says, it's obvious why you cannot see me right in front of you, and you cannot believe. It's because you care more about what all these other people are thinking and what they think about you than you do about the one that actually matters, and that's God. Let's, let's dig into this for a second. You guys willing? It get, I'm just warning you, this is where it gets a, even a little grittier than it already has gotten. Because this is where the real stuff actually takes place. This is where the application of what we're talking about, the living water flowing through us, is going to happen. It says this. And this is what, what I, I wrote down. It says, The amount of living water flowing through you is directly related to your fear of the Lord. That's how I hear what Jesus is saying. The amount of living water that's flowing through you is directly related to your fear of the Lord. So in other words, where you la- if you lack the fear of the Lord, you become a stagnant pond. A swamp is what Ezekiel says. Or a marsh. It's what Jesus said, is that blocks or dams up the flow. Fear of man. People-pleasing seeking praise from others will block the flow of God through you. Do we see that? Jesus is pointing it out to us very clearly. And I'm glad that he used them as an example and not me. So I can learn from it, right? Come on, anybody glad that he like pointed out the stuff that the Pharisees did and said that was like, oh wow, I probably thought that too. Hmm. Let me ask you a question. How can you easily identify, maybe not easily, simply identify unhealthy fear of man in your own life? That's a question for you to ponder and think on for a second. How can you identify unhealthy 
fear of man in your own personal life. I've got one big one, and I think it's probably the biggest one that in Jesus has deal, dealt with here. And I think this applies, though, but it'll apply to so many different areas of your life. It's when, when we choose to disregard and disobey God's word or his voice because it appears, it will appear to be advantageous in the relationship with the person that is in front of you. Did you hear what I said? Let me reread that and maybe try to restate it. To identify unhealthy fear of man is when we choose to disregard and disobey God's word and his voice because if I disregard, and it's basically making this calculation, this calculated choice that says, if I don't do, if I, if I, let me rephrase it. Uh, here we go. If I do what God says to do in this, it will cost me a relationship. And so we choose deliberately to disregard and disobey what God says to do. That's unhealthy fear of man. Now, now, just take that and apply that to every area of your life. Your job. Your school. Your finances. Your purity. Sexual purity, that is. All of those areas of your life, you can apply that very principle. You can, you can identify whether or not you fear God or you fear man by how much you disregard God's word and God's voice in the areas of, of the, those areas of your life. I warned you it'd get gritty, but <clears throat> you stayed anyway. Romans ten seventeen says this. <clears throat> I like this passage of scripture. I like this verse. This is one of these verses in the Bible, and I got a couple of them that I wanted to, to hit on. Romans 10, 17 says, Now faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. Faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. This is another one of these places in the Bible that when you read it, you're like, uh, what is it saying there? How come my English teacher didn't teach me how to talk like that? Because they didn't. Because it's a different type, kind of language. Faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. We'll have a tendency to flip that a little bit. We'll have a tendency to explain it in a way that says, faith comes from hearing the word of God. Right? That makes logical sense, doesn't it? And I could hear that and say, well, yeah. If I hear the word of God, if I read the word of God, my faith will be increased. Does it? It makes sense, but it's not what it says. <laughs> now this is where it gets a little bit fun, for me anyway. I hope it gets fun for you. Faith comes from hearing, and hearing is the word of God. Hearing through the word of God. That's where the faith comes from. So do you hear what he's saying in that? This is Paul speaking to the Romans, but 
what he's really saying in this is that it's, you know, Jesus said, if you have ears to hear, listen. It's like, well, of course we have ears to hear, but are we listening? See, the hearing comes through the Word of God. So it's the Word of God that actually we hear, and it's the Word of God that actually gives us the faith. So as we, the more we hear, the more we listen, and the more we pay attention, the more we surrender to, the more that we say yes to, the more our faith is increased. Have you ever asked God to give me more faith? Increase your faith? Hello? Yeah? A lot of us have. There's another one in, 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 the, in the Bible I wanted to go over. It's kind of interesting. I, I, I was like popping it up because I'm like, oh yeah, it reminds me of this verse. It's in, a, it's in a 2 Corinthians chapter 3. It says this. It says uh, verse 16. I know Michael, he doesn't have it back there, not yet, but he probably have it pretty quick. It says, but when anyone turns to the Lord, well, actually it goes, you know, to this day when the law of Moses is read, a veil covers the minds of those who hear it. It says, but when anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Holy Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, freedom is also there. But that's awesome, and a lot of us like that last part, but what about this part, when anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Have you ever struggled with these, like, these verses in the Bible that are like, they seem so clear, but yet they're like, oh, it doesn't, it seems like, I don't know, I, this, maybe this is just me, but it seems like when I read the Bible, I'm thinking, how does that make sense to me? How do I, how, how does that process in my, you know, how does that make me feel about myself, about God, and how does it make me see God and, my, and myself? And how do I apply this? Because this is one of those places, again, where it seems as though it should say it the other way around. Where, well, if, you, if the veil is lifted, then we can turn our hearts over to God. Right? I've prayed that. God, I ask that you... Open their eyes so they can see that they need to turn their heart to you. How many of you prayed that prayer for people? Yeah, it's a good prayer. But I, I'm, not, I'm thinking it's not 100% accurate because of Scripture. He says, once your heart turns, anyone who turns their heart to the Lord, then the veil is taken away. It's like, well, wait, there's this, this action on our part, on my part, to hear God, to turn my heart to God, and then I start seeing God. Amen. You know, some of us, I think, we're sitting in our spiritual recliner, kicking back with our feet up, with the massage going, you know, and saying, God, show me yourself, because I just need to see you and feel you and touch you. and Just as I sit here, will you come and visit me? Hey, and while you're at it, God, bring revival. Woo! As I sit here. I think this is a challenge on our end, and this is the, the challenge that when you read what Jesus said, he was constantly challenging his disciples, those that were listening. Get right. Get your focus on God. Turn to him. Point your direction at him, and you'll see Clearly, you'll see me, you'll see God, your faith will be increased, 
And this isn't religious. It's not, 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 it's not legalism. It's saying this is what Jesus actually said. See, God is, God is so good. God is so good all the time to give you what you need, even before you ask, right? But He does require you and I to go after that which we actually want and desire. Did you hear that? God is so good to give you what you ask or need, but He requires you and I to go after what we desire. You want God to increase your faith? Get busy going after God, and He will do it. I like what Watchman Nee says. I've been reading The Spiritual Man. It's really good stuff. It's, a, it's, a, it's awesome. Watchman Nee says this thing, and so this is a... This is good. It says, Babes in Christ require milk for their nourishment. Right? Just as a baby in the flesh. Babes in Christ require milk for their nourishment. And what is milk? But simply pre-digested food. If you are still needing the meat of God's Word explained to you, you are still an infant. Oh, ouch. Do we want God? Let's go after Him. Your faith is both a gift of the Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit. So Lord, increase the gift and increase my faith. Just simply let God give you the increase by flowing through you. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for your awesome, awesome love for us that encourages us, pushes us, exhorts us, admonishes us, all the biblical words that your love does to go after you, to go after you hard, to seek you, to knock on the door, to pound the door down until we get a hold of you and in Jesus name by the power of the Holy Spirit may you instill that within us a strong desire to just go after you and even at the moments when we turn may you fill us may you completely engulf us with your, your presence so much so that we are so drawn where you say yes 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 I love the taste of you Jesus where we could just come to that great place